The Sensemaker. Hello, I'm Tomini and this is The Sensemaker from Tortoise. One story every day to make sense of the world. This week at Tortoise, we're proud to be opening up our newsroom to the Sheila McKechnie Foundation to host their National Campaigner Awards. These awards honour people who help change the law, hold the powerful to account, or make a difference in their communities. So this week on The Sensemaker, we're going to tell the story of one person every day who has campaigned to make a difference. Today, the relentless human rights campaign that both shamed and forced the government into a U-turn. When it started off, it seemed like a pretty much impossible uphill battle. That's Steve Crawshaw. We were going to fight the good fight, but couldn't really see how we would win it. He's the Director of Policy and Advocacy at Freedom From Torture, a charity that provides therapy and support for torture survivors. The government put onto the table the Overseas Operations Bill, which had a number of elements within it. You had to read the bill very carefully to see what it was doing, but basically it said, we will investigate this very, very small number of offences and the ones that were they were ready to investigate quite rightly um, is rape and sexual violence but torture and other crimes do not need to be investigated. In 2020 the UK government attempted to pass a bill that would decriminalise torture and war crimes committed by British soldiers. What they said was it was to stop what they called vexatious prosecutions of uh, British troops um, abroad but what this attempted legislation, the Overseas Operations Bill, which they put forward, really was doing in effect was creating impunity for war crimes, including torture, including other war crimes. Truly extraordinary, quite baffling. The bill would introduce a series of measures, making it next to impossible to prosecute almost all cases once five years had passed since the alleged offence occurred. The way the government framed it was there would be what they called a presumption against prosecution after five years. And so if a successful prosecution had not been brought before that, then it would all fall away. Five years is really almost nothing in terms of investigation of complex issues in in distant um, war zones. But the government denied that they were doing this. It kept saying, just read the bill, just read the bill. This was Johnny Mercer, the Veterans Minister at the time and himself a former British Army officer, speaking to the BBC's Newsnight. I make no apology for it at all. It's about time this country realised its uh, responsibilities to those who serve, uh, and under this government, that's what you're going to get. Not convinced by the government's argument, Freedom From Torture joined a coalition of human rights organisations, torture survivors and lawyers to analyse the exact wording of the bill. The formal legislative document, which was quite hard to read because it was framed within the complexities of brackets within brackets within brackets within brackets, meant you could easily lose your way. Because within the brackets within the brackets within the brackets, there were provisions that would give soldiers impunity from accusations of heinous crimes. As part of the coalition, freedom from torture began to change the narrative. And what was perhaps also interesting, and we've seen replicated a little bit in more recent uh, activities, for example, on the Nationality and Borders Bill, establishment voices, including and especially in the House of Lords, who said, you cannot do this. These are your obligations under international law, and these laws are here for a very, very good reason. 
They argued that if the bill was passed, it would weaken the UK's commitment to the United Nations Convention Against Torture. This is not just about legality, it is about basic morality. And those voices from former senior generals, former field marshal, former attorney general, uh, former NATO secretary general, all of these voices came together again and again and again in the House of Lords. The coalition had support in the House of Lords and from some Conservative MPs, and the British government found itself in a difficult position when it got public backing from two unexpected allies. So Sri Lanka, which is notorious for its practice of torture, and many of the um, torture survivors who come through the doors of freedom from torture for rehabilitation, which is our, our core work, is rehabilitation of torture survivors. Many of those come from Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka publicly praised the proposals in the British government's bill, saying, yes, this kind of thing is exactly what would be helpful. Likewise, in Beijing, at an international press conference in Beijing, this was highlighted very uncomfortable for Britain. For the government, it wasn't a good look. One of the dangers of this bill was not just what it meant in terms of the signal that Britain would be sending out about not carrying accountability um, at all. Of course, I hope the British troops would not commit torture. But that's not the point. The point is that if it does happen, then of course it should be prosecuted. The idea of shutting that off is really dangerous. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. By early 2021, the Overseas Operations Bill had failed to make much progress through Parliament. In the House of Lords, they became more and more unhappy. And so it was a very interesting combination of those voices out there in society saying this is not the country that we should be. Ex-generals and former defence ministers countered government claims that the bill was necessary for the protection of soldiers. We had voices of torture survivors, very powerful, and we know from stories that we heard that sometimes that opened doors and unlocked doors that were otherwise firmly shut. Keen to get other provisions in the bill passed into law, the government made a major U-turn. The government realised the House of Lords was so angry that they were ready to pay very hard ping-pong and they were about to run out of time, the bill would have fallen, and at that point they rolled over and gave way. They agreed to exclude torture and war crimes from the legislation. Defence Minister Leo Doherty said the U-turn was, quote, to prevent any further perceived damage to the UK's reputation in respect of our ongoing commitment to uphold the rule of law and our international obligations, particularly the UN Convention Against Torture. Freedom from torture had won its impossible uphill battle. I think for all of us who were involved, and I hope people who were just seeing what had happened, an incredibly encouraging, energising moment of realising what is possible. Thanks for listening to The Sensemaker. If you enjoyed today's episode, why not share it with a friend? Today's story was written and mixed by Amy Harper.
the Sensemaker.